Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Two Point Podcast, where our conversion rate is always 100%. I'm Craig, and I'm joined by Nate. Hey, guys. We're going to be talking some recaps for week nine of the NFL season, going through each game, talking about what stood out to each of us. But uh, me, myself, I I wasn't able to watch many of the games yesterday, so I was kind of out of town doing some other stuff. But I'll be looking through some stats. I know Nate's watched quite a bit of these games, so we'll go through them See what we can do for them. <laughs> so the first game was a Thursday night game with Packers and the 49ers. Packers ended up winning 34-17. Pretty much this game is what we expected it to be. It's correct, actually. Man. I mean, some things were different, but it was mostly players. Like uh, Jones being able to come back, that was that was substantial as well. Yeah, he looked pretty good uh, for the most part. Uh, obviously, they didn't want to use him too much and get him re-injured or anything like that, but... Probably didn't help that they had Dexter Williams get hurt right away, too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God we activated Jones beforehand, too, because that would have been bad. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what do you have as standing out in this game? For me, it was obviously just Packers obviously maintaining their stride. But Mullins, for the for the Niners, excuse me, they didn't, he didn't look actually too bad. Like, he actually looked pretty decent. Uh, and like you said, the Niners pretty much showed up to be exactly what the Niners are. On our analysis last week, I think we were discussing – if the 49ers came out swinging, they'd actually have like a chance to make it a close game, but they really didn't even do much for that, to be honest with you. But the Packers' defense is actually what stood out for me. Again, it's the, it's the Niners' uh, offense. Everyone and their mother is pretty much injured, so it was just good to kind of see them at least getting some chemistry back together, and it obviously the Packers' offense did what the Packers' offense does. And that was good for them, too, getting out in front early, and then they were kind of able to stop the run, and then San Francisco couldn't run quite as much, too. One of the big things was Jamichael Hastie was nothing, like I said he was going to be. Yep, definitely and called nothing. <laughs> Devontae Adams was great once again. You guys play fantasy football. If you play in full-point PPR leagues, this is the third week in a row he's finished as the number two wide receiver. Yeah, he put up some numbers. He only had a touchdown that was early. But yeah. MVS, he was just get, he was actually catching the ball, so he had two touchdowns. But honestly, Adams just did what he did, extended the chains. MVS caught half his passes. I know, but he had two touchdowns. Both of them were, yeah. you know, semi decent throws, like uh, not not throw wise. I'm talking like distance wise. Um, yeah. But he, he's hit or miss usually. So that long touchdown, the 49ers tried to get too cute and disguise the cover three, and the guy just didn't get recover. Yep. And he's got speed. Don't get me wrong. I give credit where credits due, but. Like, his hands aren't the best, and he just – when he catches it, at least it matters. I mean, there's been a few games this year where it's been kind of like that for him. So, I mean, I'll take the win, but mm-hmm. it was the and Niners. Then on the 49ers side, probably the biggest guy that stood out was Richie James Jr. Nine catches, 184 yards, one touchdown. He was actually the number one fantasy player for wide receivers on the week. But uh, he kind of came out of nowhere. Don't expect too much from him going forward as they're going to get Debo Samuel and Kendrick Bourne and everybody else all back. He had he actually had more yards in this game. He's played like – this is like his third season. He had more yards in this game than he did like one of those past two seasons. Yeah. He was hitting all the soft spots in the coverage. So, I mean, he, had, he was looking really good, but it was only, I think, just this week. Like, I, I agree with you. I don't and see him doing much going forward. Their zone got kind of soft in between the safeties there. Yeah, and we were out ahead too. So uh, obviously, with Kevin King out, they just they kind of had a ragtag. Like you and I have talked about the the backups for the secondary quite a bit, especially at safety. Uh, Black mm-hmm. 
is in quite a bit. He started the season on uh, practice squad. He's he's kind of young and raw. I think that they just stuck in some of those secondary players just to kind of get him get him some of that experience on uh, moving forward because most of the points for the 49ers came in the second half. So, mm-hmm. I guess the only other thing I got to say is uh, those San Francisco 49ers linebackers, those two young guys, they're real good. Fred Warner and oh, Drake. Yeah. They're I very quick. Yeah, they're very quick. They go out, they make plays. You see what Robert Tanya was able to do? Nothing. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, Tanya and you and I are kind of the exact same in our opinion on him. So, they're like, he's either hit or miss. Either we play against a decent secondary with a decent linebacker core, and he does nothing like we experienced last Thursday, or mm-hmm. you know, he he goes off. Yeah, I think the 49ers just schemed a lot of things wrong with Devontae Adams. They didn't have Verrett, their best corner, shadow him throughout the game. If they would have just did that and played coverage over the top and made somebody else beat you, probably would have been in a little bit better position. But instead, they just – because the Packers kept moving Adams around, which they've been doing a lot this year, which I like. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, oh, we'll let Mosley or Taylor cover him. I'm like, yeah, good luck with that. Right. And I think Mosley- a lot of teams are having issues covering Adams in general, but I agree with you. I, one thing the 49ers did was they let a lot of single deep. Um, and you can't. You got to play coverage on both sides because they play Adams all over the field. Yeah, and like I said, like if you had just had Verrett Adam, you probably would have had a little bit better luck. Uh, he only, I, th- I believe, he only allowed two catches to Adams when he was covering him. So, yeah, that's correct. And the big long one in the beginning was when uh, they let Mosley try to cover him, which is he can't cover anybody anyway. So, <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> but we'll get over to the next game, which was the Broncos and the Falcons. I think we both had the Broncos winning this one, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We were both wrong. That's okay, though. Drew Locke was pretty decent, I guess. Like He had a decent game once again, but his efficiency wasn't the greatest, really. 25 out of 45, or twenty-five out of 48, so like 51%. Yep. He was able to run the ball better in this game, which is something that he's been able to, he was able to do the first couple games, move around, and I thought that helped him out a lot. But... The rest of their running game was pretty much non-existent. Philip Lindsay got involved, which was really nice, which is something you and I both said might happen this week. Yeah, but one of the things I was kind of looking at is the snap count for uh, Gordon yep. and Lindsay. Gordon Gordon still played on 60% of snaps this week. I expected closer to 50-50, even though Lindsay was more efficient pretty much once again. Yep. Matchup for this game to, to have a decent game because with Gordon, he's more of a – I don't want to call him a downhill runner, but he's – better between the tackles between him and Lindsay. So mm-hmm. I felt like he would be used a lot more on the passers uh, on the passing downs, but I feel like it should have been more 50, 50 because the game was kind of average. But the thing I thought about that was interesting about drew lock, essentially his rushing was up higher than the previous weeks was because he was a, a lot more susceptible to not turning the ball over. Like he wasn't just throwing the ball willy nilly like he's been the last few weeks. Yeah. He's got a pretty strong arm. Like it's that young quarterback mentality. He thinks he can make a bunch of throws that he can't. Yep. But um, he, he was controlling the possession a lot better this week. And so I feel like he was just taking off and running instead of potentially throwing another interception. So his decision-making was a lot better this game. Yeah, I think he's got a he's got a shot, um, just depending on how the Broncos finish this year too. Yeah. Because I think if they kind of finish all right, they keep their coaching staff. I think if you get Pat Shermer, the offensive coordinator, another year to work with Drew Locke, he could turn into an all-right quarterback. Not saying he's ever going to be great, but good enough. The other things that really stood out for me, and obviously, like, Jerry Judy had a nice game, 
and people are gonna like overreact to it and think he's like really good now. But like he still only caught half these targets. Like yeah. he's had a problem catching the ball this year. KJ Hamler was somebody I thought could have like a sleeper game in this one. He got 10 targets, six of them for 75 yards. Uh, Tim Patrick was the guy I liked the most. He was all right, but he had the touchdown. I don't know. Their wide receivers aren't too bad, and you got to remember they're playing without Cortland Sutton still too. So next year they'll be pretty good. Yeah. I feel like some of the players are starting to step up in that wide receiver core a little bit too. Mm-hmm. They're all really young guys too, so. Yeah, I agree. But I think it's just because of the escalation of Drew Locke, like his decision making too. Like he's spreading the ball around pretty evenly for the most part. But mm-hmm. not playing with Brett Rippin. Pretty much. I like me some Rippin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh do you have much to say on Atlanta's side? For Atlanta, for the most part, it was nice to kind of see Todd Gurley get some flashiness to him, but that's about it. Julio stepped up like we thought he might. And Ryan was really good at dispersing the ball as well. He had the one interception. But outside of that, he had a pretty decent game, though. My biggest thing is it was nice to see Hayden Hurst involved, really. Um, he had the seven catches for 62 yards. I thought that would, I really thought that's who was going to step up with Ridley coming out. Then you had the almighty Zekus, however you say his name. He had the one <laughs> long, he had the one long touchdown. I know a lot of people were hyping up Russell Gage this week, but I'm like, it's 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 just a trap play. Because Russell yeah. Gage is always going to be like the third wide receiver, the slot guy. Like it doesn't matter if Ridley or Jones is out because he doesn't step up. Well, Jones had a really good week last week. And so mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, not having Ridley involved in the offense this week, Julio was going to be watched a lot more because he had a bigger week last week. So I was very intrigued to see who was going to step up, if that makes sense. Like that's yep. the big shoes to fill. So and he did pretty good. I mean, obviously to win. So yeah. So we'll go over to Seattle and Buffalo next. Did we both pick the Seahawks to win? I can't remember. Um, yes. I think we both we'll did. Uh, didn't turn out too well for us in this one. <laughs> uh, the Bills end up winning 44-34. to 34. This was a really surprising game for me, honestly, because I thought if the Bills were going to win, they'd have to run the ball a lot. And they decided to screw that. They're going to play defense is what they ended up doing. Yeah, they're just like, we're going to throw the ball 38 times. You know, they still, <laughs> so they had 19 rushes and 38 passes. So 66% of the time they threw the ball. And Josh Allen was pretty good overall, 415 yards, three touchdowns. He ended up getting sacked seven times. That's kind of interesting. Without looking at the score, if you just looked at the stats, you would think this was a defensive game, to be honest with you. Because Russell Wilson, he had a rough day which is not the statistics that he would normally put up. Just defensively, I think he was knocked down 16 times, sacked five times. He lost two fumbles, two interceptions, I believe. Yeah, he just had a rough game. Like, this, I've always been telling people that all the Seahawks really had was Russell Wilson. If Russell Wilson has a bad game, essentially they can get frustrated, and Bills did that. Russell Wilson just had a rough game yesterday, but really it was that offensive line. He was running for his life yesterday. Mm-hmm. But that seven sacks on Josh Allen's real interesting. Looks like the new defensive end, Carlos Dunlap, had one of them. Jamal Adams had one and a half. So, getting Dunlap in and Jet Adams back kind of helped out their defense and at least applying pressure. I agree. I told you, dude, it, it, without looking at the actual score, you would think the defense has just had a heyday yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, DK had a pretty nice game once again. Lockett was kind of quiet. 
John Brown bounced back kind of nicely now. 11 targets, caught eight of them. Stephon Diggs had a pretty Stephon Diggs game. Yeah, Allen looks at him a lot. He's the number mm-hmm. one targeted on their team. The only other thing I've seen with the snap counts is uh, at running back for the Bills, Zach Moss played on 56%, so he's getting more of the load once again. So that's good to see for him going forward. The fact that he only got nine carries kind of sucks, but he did get a touchdown. Yeah, Buffalo was really good on third down yesterday. So, I mean, they had I think it was forty one percent of their third downs were converted. So that's that's pretty decent. Yeah. So then we have the Bears and the Titans. Yep. yep. Did we both pick the Titans to win? Uh yes, that's correct. We both did. Yeah. We don't have much faith in the Bears moving forward this year, to be honest with you. Honestly, Nick Foles moved the ball. Yeah, it was, he did pretty decent. He had good outlook for the most part. Mostly the uh, They mostly scored going into the fourth. They kind of got going towards the end of the game, but they looked pretty rough the first half of the awful ball game. Yeah, at least uh, Nick Foles didn't. He went over 300 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. They did sack him three times, but given the concerns of the Bears' offensive line, I'll consider that a win. Yeah. Those are decent numbers. I mean, like you said, considering. Mm-hmm. I believe David Montgomery left this game with a concussion too, as well. He yeah, was they were pretty t- bad at running the ball when he was in, though. <laughs> I was just gonna say he had a lot of touches before the concussion, but right after that, it was. I feel like that was their game plan originally, was just kind of keep that because Titans have a really good game management style of offense. They can hit you when they need to, but for the most part, they like to run with Derrick Henry. So they, I think they were trying to to kind of mirror that exact same approach. I mean, that offensive line just – I mean, they were missing two or three guys, though, too. So it's kind of hard to run the ball when you got that going on. The weird thing to me that stood out is Barcavius Mingo had one carry for 11 yards. He's a linebacker. It must have been like a fake punt, I'm assuming. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have a clue. I kind of just watched the previews of this game, so mm-hmm. are, are the, the results of it. Yeah. But – that is interesting. I have to go back and look at that. Then on the Bears' side, I will make one little note. Riley Ridley, this is the first game he's played all year. He's been inactive every other game. He had two catches for 23 yards on his two targets. Not a bad day, but he's obviously getting a little bit of playing time now. And then on the Titans' side, Ryan Tannehill it was only 10 out of 21, but he had the two touchdowns. So Derrick yeah. Henry wasn't really that great, honestly. So the Bears' defense kind of stifled them a little bit. For the most part, I would say they kind of controlled that. Again, they were playing kind of keep away the first part of the game. So they were ahead by 17, like I said, going going into the fourth quarter. So Mm -hmm. they did what the Titans do. They control the game and just kind of pick at you, make you have to catch up to you in a little bit. Yep. And then the last thing that really stood out on the Titans' side is Corey Davis, obviously. He had three targets but didn't end up with any catches. Uh, the two weeks prior, he had 10 targets apiece. So who knows what to do with him now. Probably just if you play <laughs> fantasy, keep him on your bench until we see something more consistent. Yep, I was going to say until consistency is maintained, I'd recommend the exact same. Yeah, and then you got uh, Desmond King, the new cornerback they got from the Chargers. He ended up with a fumble recovery. And I believe when I was doing the – when I was checking the snap counts, he played about 70% of snaps. So that's pretty good for a new player on the defense. Yep. See a lot of play time. It'll help out. Yeah. So we'll get over to one that we might have thought might have been an interesting game, but probably didn't really turn out that way. The Ravens and the Colts. Ravens ended up winning 24-10. to 10, And they pretty much controlled this game for the most part. 
I, I don't know if anyone got to see it, but did you get to see the uh, sack on Philip Rivers or the interception there at the end when he was just kind of laying on the ground? No, I heard was. like he tried to like tackle some guy like and he fell over or something. Yeah, he essentially was was running towards the play after he threw an interception and just kind of tripped on the turf while trying to avoid a block, and then hmm. tried to get the tackle and the guy just leaped over him. Huh. So. It was just that, that that photo was like the the definition of the game. They were just frustrated the whole game, and they really couldn't hit their stride. Yeah. So it looks like Lamar Jackson was pretty efficient, 19 out of 23, only 170 yards, though. He ran the ball all right. J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, they combined for 23 carries for 53 yards, which is pretty bad. Edwards did have a touchdown, though. So that Colts run defense was pretty good. They were able to stifle – Probably one of the best running teams in the league to 110 yards on 38 carries combined. Yep. The defense uh, looked just like the Colts' defense has been looking all season. They did a really decent job, actually. They held, you know, Baltimore to 24, so that's pretty good. Baltimore's wide receivers didn't matter too much. Um, if you were somebody that was excited about Biz Bryant playing in this game, he played two snaps. <laughs> I hope to God you didn't start him if you're playing fantasy football. That would have been kind of dumb, but... Yeah, I feel like he would have been a reach this week. Yeah. Any anyone that plays against the Colts moving forward, I would definitely definitely think about it. The defense is actually extremely consistent. Their their win ratios and everything goes based completely on how the offense goes that day. Mm-hmm. Then, like you kind of said, Philip Rivers was kind of bad. The Colts' running game wasn't that great either, honestly. Even the wide receivers just had an average day. You know, yeah. I think the majority of them were at fifty or ish or below. The big thing for me is Michael Pittman Jr., four catches, 56 yards. I'm not sure how much you know about him, but he's starting to get playing time early in the year. Then he went on IR. He had a compartment leg syndrome, which he had to be like he had to be hospitalized for it, actually. So then he was able to come back now. I uh, First time of uh, actually being experienced with him was actually yesterday. But, yeah, he looked pretty decent yesterday. I didn't know his backstory, but that's makes it that much more efficient, I guess. Yeah. That much better. He was a second-round pick. Um, if you, I don't know if you remember Michael Pittman Sr. playing in the NFL. His dad was a running back for a while. Correct. And Michael Pittman Jr., he actually he went to USC, but he started off as a walk-on there. So. Well, that's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Considering it's like a 1.5% chance of getting to the NFL, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it for that game, honestly. I mean, we were kind of watching see Jordan Wilkins versus Jonathan Taylor as well. Wilkins had 11 carries for 39 yards. Taylor had six for 27 yards. Uh, Taylor did get the touchdown, but overall they both were pretty mediocre. Yeah, I think they're kind of starting to split rep slot, if you have noticed from the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their snap percentage is, but carries-wise, they've been pretty much splitting the load off and on. So yep. the production's been pretty much the exact same. Yeah. If I remember correctly, Wilkins played 34% of snaps, Hines played 34% of snaps, and Taylor played 31%. Supposedly, they're not happy with uh, Jonathan Taylor's quickness getting through the hole, like he's sitting around trying to dance around too much or something, they said. Yeah, he was really efficient in college, but he didn't. He started to learn that coming into the NFL. I can understand why. He needs to be a little bit more decisive. Yep, so we'll get over to probably one of the more interesting games of the week that we probably didn't think was going to be that interesting to start off with. Uh, Chiefs ended up winning barely 33-31. to 
Teddy Bridgewater was actually pretty efficient, 36 out of 49, 310 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, McCaffrey came back pretty nicely, 69 rushing yards, one touchdown, 10 receptions, 82 yards, and a touchdown. So he had a good game overall. He does have a shoulder injury now, so he could miss this week. Pretty bad season for him, but, hey, he's making $16 million a year. Right? I was like, fantasy owners are, like, licking their teeth and then immediately being sad about it. Yeah. <laughs> he finished as the running back number two so far this week behind Dalvin Cook. So him and Dalvin Cook were the only two running backs that did anything this week. So, Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was really good seeing him back on the football field, to be honest with you, and the offense, it seemed like it was much more efficient. Like, mm-hmm. it felt like Bridgewater had a lot more help with him. Obviously, not not just in the run game, but in the pass game as well. Because it actually really opened up for Curtis Samuel. Um, I mean, he was, he was 9 for 9 for 105 yards of the touchdown. So, I mean, yeah. the offense was seemed a little bit more fluid yesterday. That little stinker took all the targets away. Yeah, he did. <laughs> like, that was the biggest thing for me. DJ Moore has three targets. DJ Moore is your best wide receiver, your most explosive wide receiver, and you're only going to try to throw the ball to him three times. Teddy Bridgewater does not like throwing him the ball for whatever reason. And when you have a playmaker that's that good, that explosive, you need to find a way to get the ball in his hands. I agree. It could also be a level of being opening. Sometimes some of the reads that they have down there, like he's on like the second, maybe third read, so he's passing it to the open person, you know? Nah, I I mean just in general for the season. This is kind of something they've been doing. I agree with you. You you always go to your best player. That is essentially what you're saying is, and I'm not saying that he's up to the standard of Devontae Adams, but it would be like not throwing the ball to Devontae Adams and not having anyone else step up. Mm -hmm. So I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. well, it's just kind of like if you got a guy that you can throw a slant route to and he can take it to the house on any given play, you should probably try to give him the ball at least five times a game. Yeah, give him a look at least. Three three targets like this. Would you say it was three this week? Yeah, and yeah, that's not enough. <laughs> I've been watching you. some of the games this year. Sometimes when Teddy throws to him, he's just like way off. I don't know why he doesn't have good chemistry with him, but I mean, he has better chemistry with Robbie Anderson. I'm not sure why, but yeah, he had 63 yards yesterday. So I mean, it's not too bad. He's still gonna figure it out. Look at things going. Yeah. Then we had Patrick Mahomes with Patrick Mahomes, pretty much. Yeah. Spread the ball around. You know, Hill had a good day. The run game was decent. Uh, Le'Veon Bell didn't see a lot of touches. Uh, that run was game was decent. awful, honestly. They got 12 carries for 30 yards, and this is against one of the worst run defenses of all of football. I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you got to be a little bit concerned. They did get behind a little bit early, too, so that could have played a factor. Yep. But, I, I was just going to say that, actually. Usually they're really run heavy to the beginning of the game, but if they start to get behind or they're trying to gas pedal it a little bit, then they go open up that, that pass game with Mahomes. They had a uh, play that they ran that was actually really interesting. I think it was called uh, Left Ferrari, I think is what it was called. It's where uh, Mahomes went in, uh, in motion there for a second then did like a back back foot toss to the end, end of the end zone for a touchdown. Um, I thought that was actually really intriguing. We don't see a lot of plays like that. Uh, I will say one other thing, too, in this game. is you, It's something that you're not going to see if you just look at the box score. So Clyde Edwards yeah. Lair, Le'Veon Bell, and Daryl Williams, the three running backs, right? Clyde Edwards Lair played on 40% of snaps. I don't remember Le'Veon Bell's. I want to say it was around 25%. And then Daryl Williams was actually playing on 29% of snaps in this game. So if you're kind of a Clyde Edwards Lair owner, that is something to be a little bit concerning. Mm-hmm. Even though Le'Veon Bell hasn't done a lot, but if they're playing Daryl Williams like this, you still got to be concerned. I agree. I will say they have pretty deep. 
the deep bench at running back there, so that does kind of help. But yes, for fantasy wise, uh, that's definitely something to pay attention to. End yeah, of the day, though, like, for the NFL, it's about winning games. So it might have been a situation too where they're passing the ball a bunch, and they thought Williams is the best blocker at running back too for pass protection. Yep. And it was pretty pretty close to an even game the entire game for the most part. I mean, there was only a win by two, and it was because they missed a field goal at the end. So, I mean, it was a it was a lot closer than we thought it would be. So those could definitely fluctuate the running back numbers. Mm-hmm. Then we'll get over to the Vikings and the Lions game. Vikings end up winning thirty four to twenty, and honestly, the Lions just sucked. Yeah, to be honest with you, that's pretty much the best way to put it. I mean, Stafford left, what, in the fourth? We didn't even think he was going to play. He was in contact with somebody that had COVID, but then he had enough negative day tests that he ended up playing. But I know he came out and said after that, like, this week was just so weird for him because he didn't actually have time to prepare either. So, like, he didn't didn't have the best game. Then he got knocked out with what they call a concussion at the time. They say he cleared protocol in the game and could have gone back in, but they're already losing anyways. So they just kind of kept Chase Daniel in, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he was slightly efficient. He had two interceptions before, obviously, he left with mm-hmm. concussion protocol. So, I mean, the running game was what the running game normally is. And, I mean, it was really nice to see old man Amendola come up and step up this week a little bit. That was kind of nice. Yeah. And I think with the Lions running game, they actually ran the ball pretty decently there. Yeah. It wasn't, like, profound, but they did a decent job of moving the ball. Nah, better, better than they've been running in recent weeks, at least. For sure. 100% agree with you. I was just looking at, like, the broad spectrum of the NFL standards. Mm-hmm. Like, they're usually below average as it is. So, But you're right. They were definitely proficient this week for the Lions being the yeah. Lions. Honestly, none of, their wide, none of their receivers really stepped up in the absence of Kenny Galladay. I mean, like you said, Amendola got seven catches. But, like, Marvin Jones mm-hmm. had three. Like, he had a touchdown. But, like, Hall and Cephas, neither one of them stepped up. Yeah. Hockenstein had a decent game, too. I mean, he had the touchdown, but his numbers were, you know, below average as well. Hey. When Galladay doesn't play, he's somebody you can always play just because he gets more targets. Then on the Vikings side, they were just hyper-efficient. Kirk Cousins was very efficient. Dalvin Cook was real good. Alexander Madison even came in at the end and ran 12 times for 69 yards. Now, you can't say too much more about them. Uh, oddly enough, in this game, Irv Smith had two receiving touchdowns on two catches. And recent weeks, he's been playing like sixty. He's been playing like sixty to seventy percent of the time. And this game, he only played like thirty-eight to forty percent of the time. So it's kind of weird. Yeah, I have I have no idea why he didn't see the touches. Maybe maybe Lions defense saw that. Trey is pretty good on the defensive side a little bit. Like he can make reads. Obviously, learning from Belichick. But obviously, you and I agree. We don't we don't like him too much as a coach. But still, being able to notice like subtleties like that can obviously change game states. Yeah, but no, no, I just Irv Smith didn't play quite as much as he normally did, though. But uh, well, I know what I'm saying is, is like the defense can fluctuate essentially what plays will statistically be called based on how their defense plays. Mm-hmm. I feel like they tried to to change up the, the who they the, who they focused on or how they were planning on moving the ball this week because of that. I think part of the reason, though, was the the Vikings were winning, though. And yeah. they, and they use – Irv Smith is more of a third wide receiver than a second tight end. So I think they use the other tight end, Tyler Conklin, the block, and with two more tight end sets more often than not because they were winning and they are just running the ball anyway. So I think that has a lot to do with it. I agree with you, too. I agree. 
Yeah. The game uh, was just what we thought it was going to be for the most part. Yeah. Off to the side here, I'm just seeing, though, too. It said Denver Broncos, Albert O, the rookie tight end, is heading to IR with the torn ACL. Uh, that sucks. That was somebody I really liked. Mm-hmm. And he's a big red zone threat for them, too. But if you don't know a fan in fantasy, he's a good sign for you, though. <laughs> then next game is the one we talked about a little bit, uh, Giants and the Washington football team. Once again, this was a very close game, kind of like their first meeting. Well, it ended up being that way. That the Washington scored 10 late points. Yeah. Kyle Allen's ankle injury with the dislocated ankle definitely fluctuated how what we thought was going to happen in the game would happen. Yeah, I think that's just the biggest thing from this game is he ends up dislocating his ankle. He's going to end up being out for the year. And you get Alex Smith come in. He was 24 out of 32 over 300 yards, but just them three interceptions coming in cold. It's just something that's really hard to do, especially when you haven't played in a while and you haven't taken first-team reps with the team either. That's correct. It's really hard to gain that chemistry back when you're just coming right off the bench, like, and not being fully prepared coming into. Mm -hmm. I remember last week, I think what I had originally picked the Giants for this game, but I don't, I seriously don't think they would have won still with Kyle Allen in there. I just think they would have been more prepared. But Alex Smith did a really good job coming in, minus those three interceptions. I mean, he did really well. Mm -hmm. I mean, Something something in this game is Daniel Jones didn't actually turn the ball over for once. <laughs> he didn't fumble twice. True. He just didn't lose them. That's true. I mean, and their offense was actually pretty stagnant for the most part, too. I mean, the run game was really good. Yeah, I mean, they, they distributed ran the ball, the ball a lot better than previous yeah, weeks. 100%. I don't know what the snap counts were for all of them, but, I mean, uh, Galman had 14 attempts. Uh, uh, Morris had nine. You know, Matt had uh, four. And then – all of them had above 60 yards, 170, so not bad. Oh, sorry. I'm reading the wrong line. That was his reception numbers. Yeah. But still, they ran the ball decently. And I think I think they went into the game knowing they were going to run the ball more, too, because when I was looking at the snap rates, Keaton Smith's snap rate was up a little bit more, too, so they were using more two tight end sets. Golden Tate obviously was missing in this game because of a whole bunch of other reasons. <laughs> so they weren't running. Off the field issues. Yeah, so they were using uh, more two tight end sets. So I think that helped them out quite a bit. Uh, and... He had a below average game, too. He had a touchdown, but he was he only caught five of his ten targets for 48 yards. Oh, so, I mean, Evan Ingram you're Evan, talking about? Yeah, Evan Ingram, yeah. Yeah, he's been pretty awful this year. Yep. He gets a lot of targets, but he, uh, he's been dropping a lot of passes, and he hasn't been doing much with his targets when he gets them. Uh, on Washington's side, you got Terry McLaurin had that big game once again, seven for one fifteen and touchdown. Uh, Cam Sims had one hundred and ten yards receiving, I guess. Yeah, I think one of them got away. If I remember correctly, it was like a long play for the most yeah, part. Forty-five and one. Uh, JD McKissick nine catches out of the backfield, but they weren't able to run the ball too much. They didn't really try to run the ball too much, I guess either with nine carries. And then the big – like when I was doing that snap counts, the biggest thing that stood out was Logan Thomas, the tight end, played on 100% of snaps. Like I was telling you, I believe that's the first time yep. tight ends actually played on 100% of snaps this year. <laughs> One uh, of the things I was going to actually mention too, he just he seemed like he was on the field a lot. He's, and then when you texted me earlier, I was like, that makes complete sense. He's usually on the field a lot in general this year. But, but he, he was on – 
Like, it was above normal, like you could tell, because they were running the two tight end sets for the most part. And I think they kind of, after Kyle Allen went out, they kind of just had to play it by ear. They tried to maintain their original idea or game planning for the most part, but they had to switch it up when Alex went in. They ran McKissick and Gibson together a lot in this game, too. Yeah, it was pretty split up. Yeah. But... I don't know what their uh, ratios were for, for reps, but, I mean, just playability-wise, they were yeah. pretty much even. McKissick played on like 84% of snaps. I think Gibson was like 46. Huh. Either way, the game was actually a pretty decent game. It was just really unfortunate, I guess. I hope, obviously, we hope that Kyle Allen comes back. He's out for the season, but I yep. hope that, you know, Alex Smith can be a little bit, he understands exactly what, the, what that kind of situation is. So, next one up is the my favorite team, Texans. Well, we finally won the game again, so 27-25 to 25 over the Jaguars. Jake Luton came out swinging. <laughs> I know that 70-yard touchdown pass right off the bat. He had a pretty decent game. Him and DJ Chark paired up pretty nicely. So we'll have to see if that yep. keeps going going forward. James, James Robinson was efficient, but not, like, super great. 25 for 99, the touchdown. Something to note is he did not catch a pass in this game, so a lot of people were like, oh, he's getting passes and stuff. He's so good for fantasy. Well, he was playing on, like, 95% of snaps because uh, Chris Thompson was on the COVID list and Gardner Minshew was throwing the ball. So we'll have to see how that looks going forward. Thompson did have four receptions for 35 yards himself. LaVisca Chanel did leave this game with a hamstring injury, so Chris Conley kind of came in and stepped up for him. Texans side, Will Fuller, Cooks, they both had decent games. David Johnson left this scheme. I believe he had a concussion, if yep. I remember correctly. Duke, Duke's our guy, and he had a pretty decent game this yeah, week. He wasn't that great running the ball, 16 for 41, though. Nope. Receptions, yeah, he was 4 for 4 for 32, so, I mean, he was efficient. But I think they utilized him majorly in, like, third down to try and move the chains a little bit. Yeah, they had to use him as everything once David Johnson left, so. Pretty much. I think the noteworthy thing was Watt got his 100th sack this game. So. Woohoo! It was in uh, 120 games, I think. So I think that puts him on fourth on the list, third on the list, somewhere around there, I think. Fastest I would, look at. But yeah, the highlight of this entire game was the first play of the game. That was about it. After that, it was what we thought it was going to be for the most part. Yeah, it turned into a little decent shootout. If you bet the over, you barely won because it was 51 points <laughs> the other day. That's funny. We'll get into the next one. The Raiders and the Chargers. The Raiders end up winning 31-26. to Derek Carr, once again, not a great day, but good enough. 13 out of 23, 165 yards. He got his usual two touchdowns, no picks. They ran the ball pretty decently. Your boy, Devontae Booker, he had a touchdown. Yep, not a rush. Preston I mean, Cups was all right. He had touches, so... The uh, wide receivers didn't have much for uh, for stats either. I mean, yeah. I mean, Derek only threw for 165 yards. Yeah, so the one like, long play to Nelson Aguilar, one long play to Renfro, and everything else was kind of dink and dunk. For the most part. Henry. Chargers was on the field quite a bit, though. Like, they were trying to come from behind in this one, so which was actually better to see, I guess, than what they usually blow the lead. So, I mean, the Raiders, they looked proficient, but they didn't look great. And then the big thing on the Chargers side was Justin Jackson started the game at running back. He got hurt. I believe he had a hamstring injury as well. He tried to come back in for a play, then left again. 
Kalen Balazs came out of nowhere for 15 carries for 69 <laughs> yards. This is the same Kalen Balazs that was with the Dolphins last year that averaged like 1.7 yards a carry. I don't know if uh, a year does something for him, but, yep, came out of nowhere. We got to see what their running back situation looks like going forward. I do remember hearing Mike Williams left the game towards the end of the game. So let's see how that looks going forward. Do you know what what the injury was? Because I actually, I actually didn't get to see this game for the most uh, part. I, just got to watch I don't the remember off the top of my head. That's fair. Keenan Allen had a Keenan Allen game, though. Hit 103 uh, yards with a touchdown. So, I mean, Herbert actually looked pretty decent in this game. He actually uh, didn't throw any turnovers. So, threw for 300 yards, had two touchdowns. So, their offense looked a lot better this week, a lot more controlled. Yep. Not too much else there. Then the game of the week. Steelers. Oh, this game was amazing. Steelers and the Cowboys. Uh, so the Steelers end up winning, coming back and winning 24-19. to 19. This game was probably the game of the week, in my opinion. Probably because, like, nobody expected to be, like, competitive. It was really funny listening to Tony Romo and just listening to him before the game being like, do you guys believe in miracles? Because it's about to happen. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Obviously, he was trying to joke around about it stuff, but no one saw the Cowboys coming out of anywhere. Garrett Gilbert actually looked lights out in the game yesterday for was the fifth quarterback to be playing for the Cowboys so far this year? Fourth, I think. Fourth? Still, that's crazy talk. He'll, I mean, having a touchdown interception, he really only made two mistakes in the game. One was the obvious interception, and the, the last play of the game, he was a bit short, and it got batted down, which if he would have had a little air underneath it, it probably would have you know won the game for him. So it'd be interesting to see if he's going to be their quarterback moving forward. Uh, it just depends on Andy Dalton next week. I know. I, I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure Andy Dalton might come back next week or the week after, but Garrett looks really good. Not bad coming from the AAF. Yep. And then Big Ben had a nice game, threw over 300 yards, three touchdowns. Their run game was pretty much non-existent. Yeah, he looked vintage. He looked like good old Ben. I know his, uh, he got, I think it was his knee that was injured. He went in, I think it was like a minute and a half left in the first. Then he came back into the second half and just maintained what he was doing, but he played like four snaps or so, or four or five plays after that, got the touchdown, and then went straight into the tunnel and just went into halftime. So yeah. I'm interested to see, obviously, Big Ben's, uh, he's he's kind of like that old school mentality. He's going to play regardless if there's a limb off or not. So obviously, it's not going to fluctuate him moving forward, but it'd be interesting to see if it nags on him a little bit. Yep. Eric Ebron's touchdown where he just hurdled that guy. <laughs> Held the ball out. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Good for him. He just like jumped right over the defender. He's like, hey. He's always been a super athletic tight end, though. He just can't catch the ball half the time. Yep. And that was the the last touchdown for the Steelers that obviously gave them the lead for the win. So it was pretty decent. You know, my my disappointment for the game was obviously Ezekiel Elliott once again. He used to be like a pretty premier player, but I think he needs he needs to step up without having that quarterback there. But maybe teams are kind of packing the box against him a little bit too. So yeah. it does fluctuate with those, those numbers. But – your premier player, man. You don't get a tattoo saying "Feed me" if you don't want to be fed. So, honestly, I didn't really watch the second half of the game, but he actually looked good in the second half. So maybe the first half was just real bad. Well, Pollard, he did, he. I don't want. I don't know how many snaps wise he got or percentage wise, but he looked really decent when Zeke wasn't in and he was taking snaps. He actually did really well with his his vision on it. But Gilbert was looking amazing, and he helped that offense out a lot yesterday. Yeah, we'll see how they look going forward. But yeah, this game was 
this game was like almost awestruck. I remember at halftime, they're like, okay, the Steelers will come back, but what's going on? Hmm. Like you and I've discussed this. The Steelers just on offense have been looking not as good as they should be looking. So we'll see how that is going forward, but yeah. they definitely look better than they did last year. They just kind of take some sweet time sometimes. It takes them a minute to get going. It's like they're like a half a step behind for the first or they, game. Or they get up big and they're just like, eh, we're good. I mean, we could seriously have a conversation if we want about them going undefeated the rest of the year, but I feel like if they don't fix this offensive slowness or the cohesiveness in the first part of the game, they might end up losing a game or two. Yeah, they probably lose the Ravens the next time they're playing. That's Honestly, I was going to actually point out that game too. I think that might be the time if they do lose one. They're, they're a good team. They're just not like elite, like I'm going to yeah. go 16 and 0 type of team. Like Tom Brady with Randy Moss kind of stuff. Yeah. The next game actually turned into a pretty competitive game, a lot higher scoring than I would have assumed it would have been. This uh, could actually be argued again as a, as a game of the week, too, yeah. like in comparison. But we did not see this coming. But the Dolphins won 34 to 31. Dolphins side, two was competent. <laughs> he put on his big boy pants yesterday. Yeah, 20 out of 28, 248 yards, two touchdowns, sacked three times, though. At least he didn't break It's going to be interesting yet. how he's doing going forward. I mean, Brian Flores is actually utilizing him pretty efficiently. I don't, I just don't see him having numbers that pop off the table. Like, yeah. pretty much ever. You know what I'm saying? He ran for 35 yards. Looks like he had a 17 yard run. People try to say he's like super athletic and all this stuff. Like, yeah, he can move around a little bit, but he's not like lead at it. Yeah, he's not like Kyler Murray, who he played against yesterday, uh, obviously. He's a little bit more stiff. The interesting thing for the Dolphins is this Ahmed, the running back. He's actually an undrafted rookie, I believe, out of Washington last year. But he played 46% of the snaps. I don't understand what the Dolphins are doing. They gave Jordan Howard like a two-year, $12 million contract and then just don't play him or like only give him 10 carries. He did get the touchdown, though. Yeah. Well, it was kind of like with, like, Van Der Esch with, with Dallas and obviously Donald Lee. At the time, he was just a hot hand, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just got to go with a hot hand, or maybe they're trying to get reps in when they think it's necessary. Or There's, there's got to be reasons behind it. All, all head coaches obviously have their reasonings, but the Dolphins' offense actually looked pretty decent yesterday. It was almost like a mini shootout. Yeah. Preston Williams had a decent game, but then he hurt his foot. So he's probably going to be out for a week or two. I think they said mild foot sprain. So you're going to be looking at some other guys, maybe if you're in a deep like fantasy league, trying to step up for the Dolphins. Jakeem Grants of the world, Mac Collins, Malcolm Perry, Lynn Bowden Jr. Uh, we'll see if they use Mike Gusecki more out as a wide receiver. He's not very good at playing actual tight end, but he's very athletic. Yeah, he's decent with his route running too, so he'll be able to easily find holes. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray was great. Almost, I told you this earlier. He was like in Game Boy mode yesterday. Yeah, almost 400 yards, four touchdowns. Rushed for over 100 yards, had a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> he was at offense yesterday in a nutshell. I know a lot of people were excited about Chase Edmonds playing instead of Kenyon Drake, but 25 for 70 is not very good with a long of six yards. Yeah. I think the most noteworthy thing outside of Kyler Murray was the amount of uh, uh, pass attempts towards Hopkins. I mean, he caught all, all three of them, but it was only for 30 yards. The defense, obviously, with Dolphins shut down that yeah. that route 
pretty much the whole game. So, I mean, shout out to the defense because they did a really good job against Cardinals yesterday. I assume they had Byron Jones on him. He's a pretty good corner. That's obviously why they paid him $60 million. Yeah, I believe you're accurate on that assessment. I mean, even Fitzpatrick didn't have much. Kirk didn't do much. Uh, Kirk actually was the one that stepped up for the most part. He had 120 yards for a touchdown, but. Kirk just mainly had that one long play for the touchdown. I'm just saying he doesn't usually get that many looks at, because it's usually Fitzpatrick and Hopkins. I thought this was going to be more of a Larry Fitzgerald game, but still for over 54, he ain't going to kill you if you needed that. I think you and I both said that Fitzpatrick might have a step-up game with this one. I know he had a pretty decent game last week as well. Um, And against, you know, decent defenses, Fitzpatrick usually has a pretty decent game. Fitzgerald? Did I I say Fitzpatrick? Yes. Sorry. (laughs) Fitzgerald, sorry. I just wrote down Fitz. Like, I wrote down Big Ben instead of, you know, Roethlisberger because it's shorter. So, (laughs) same thing. Yeah. That was pretty much it for this game. Uh, This game was actually really fun to watch. Yeah, Kyler Murray had the one fumble. I think they returned for a touchdown too, correct? Yes. The last most exciting game of the week. This game. <laughs> the Saints destroyed the Buccaneers 38-3. Yeah, it was 31-0 to zero at a halftime. Like, Tom Brady, like, looked like a human being yesterday. Yeah. His first four possessions were three and outs. They threw a pick, I believe. He threw one in the first, I believe, two in the second half. It was rough. Uh, They only ran the ball four times for nine yards. You can't count that that Blaine Gabbert one. That's just like a kneel down at the end of the game. It's true. Like, Um, they had to essentially pass the entire time, which made it really easy for the Saints defense, but they really got after Tom Brady yesterday. Like, he had someone in his face, I would say, pretty close to almost every play. Mm-hmm. And what was really interesting in this, too, looking back at the numbers, not like the actual box score numbers, but Chris Godwin, he had that broken finger they had surgery on, he missed last week, and then they didn't know if he was going to play this week. They're like, we don't even know if he can catch the ball. Then he ended up playing on 94% of snaps. He was catching it with two fingers on his dominant catch hand. Yeah. He had his uh, index finger taped up. Honestly, I think the Saints just have the Bucks numbers. I think you and I both picked the Bucks last week because I think at the beginning of the season we were looking at everything. We thought that they might split these games. Saints yeah. winning, obviously, the first one would by default make this one a, a Bucks game. So you picked Tampa. I picked New Orleans. Well, that's right. But I thought Alvin Kamara was going to be more of a factor, but then they were just winning by so much. He's like, we don't even need him. Yeah. And like uh, Antonio Brown didn't even really. See much play yesterday, and I, I'm he was not the problem with that offense yesterday. I think Tom Brady tried to force one to him, which mm-hmm. obviously um, Brown swatted the ball away to prevent the interception from happening. But that was on a third down, so it didn't really matter. It just saved them, you know, the field space. But yeah, they just looked really out of sync yesterday and trying to play keep up. They just couldn't do it against that Saints defense. Yeah, Antonio Brown actually played on seventy four percent of snaps. So he was out there. He didn't, see, he didn't see a lot of targets. Yeah, he's out there a lot. He had the five targets, though. But they're going to be spreading them out a lot. With that much talent, they need to. You know, Evans, Fortnite, I think, everybody. I, I know I didn't really watch the game last night, and I know you turned off in the second half, but I think they kind of pulled Gronkowski out early in this game because he only played on, like, 50% of snaps. Like, I'm not the biggest Tom Brady fan, but when it's 31 to nothing going at halftime, I felt like it was a safe assessment not having to pay attention to the second half. Like, if, I, if, if Tom Brady would have let a comeback, it would have been almost as great as a comeback as when he was in the Super Bowl, talking prestigious storyline-wise for his career. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't see it happening yesterday. They were so out of sync. 
Yeah. My noteworthy enough was Tyson Hill, to be honest with you, and obviously uh, Thomas coming back as well. That was kind of nice seeing him out. Yep, and he had five catches for 51 yards. But the Saints were winning by so much, like he did, he barely played. So he's only yep. out there for 55% of the snaps. Taysom Hill looked awesome yesterday. He's my boy. I like him. I just wish he had more value in fantasy, to be honest with you. <laughs> yep. He's just so universal. He, he just makes that offense really good. I, I think the Saints coming into the second part of the season here are probably one of the most dangerous teams we're going to have to pay attention to because they're just loaded on their side of the ball with, mm-hmm. with Murray, Kamara. You know, obviously Thomas coming back in, just how that de- offense runs and having the experience with Drew Brees. I think he's four touchdowns now career-wise above Tom Brady. I, mean, I don't know if that's quite on it. I think it's like three or four touchdowns over. I but I think it's three because I think he was one behind before this game and he had four and Tom had zero. I think you're right. I knew it was close. But either way, they're just they're going to be pretty lethal team to pay attention to going into the second half of the season. Yep, and they're both on the verge of breaking Jerry Rice's mm-hmm. all-time fantasy points record. <laughs> if uh, which is if you're no easy in that, I do. <laughs> pretty good game overall for the Saints. If you're a Tampa fan, you just want to like chalk it off and go to the next one. Yep, curl up in a little ball. So, I think they got some people, some more snaps in the second half. Obviously, on both sides, not with the Bucks side, I guess you could say. The Bucks, like Tom Brady's, uh, when he's on the field, he's kind of an assassin. So he's he wants to make sure that no matter what he does, he leaves it all on the field. So, and he played like that. He had a really sloppy interception where he just kind of tossed it up. He almost looked like a rookie there for a second. And then there was a couple interceptions. One was by a defensive lineman, and then the other one was just a really good play. So I mean, I don't I don't want to necessarily blame Brady, but when you're trying to catch up the entire time and you're only having three and outs to start, it's really hard to get things going and really hard to come out of a 31 point deficit. Yep. Overall, pretty interesting week. It was a different. It was actually a really good week, to be honest with you. I think there were some interesting games, and I feel like there were some that we thought were going to be good that weren't that great. You know. Yeah, I think there's a lot that we probably didn't expect to be that good that were a little bit closer than we expected, and then some of the ones that we thought were going to be good didn't end up being quite as good. Yeah, and some of the players were interesting. Obviously, again, Kyle Allen, I hope he gets back to being healthy. Enjoy your off season. I know it's not going to be the best for him, unfortunately, but outside of that, like a lot of these games were really close. Like, Who would have thought the Steelers and Cowboys was going to be that close, or even that the Cardinals and Dolphins were going to end up with a shootout? Or, you know, even the first play of the, the Jaguars coming out swinging. Like, there was a lot of decent games yesterday. Mm-hmm. A lot more passing this week, too. A lot of quarterbacks yeah, doing very, very well. And wide receivers <laughs> doing real well. Running back. It was a bad week for the running back position overall. Yeah, I have Jones on my fantasy, and he didn't do terrible, but he did decent considering that he was back in my lineup, you know. So. Yep. We'll have to see if that changes with tonight's game, obviously, with the Jets and the Patriots. I would like to acknowledge I picked the Jets to win this game. I'm sticking with that. I, uh, I feel bad already uh, for giving up on the Giants, even though it wasn't wasn't something forecasted, unfortunately. But by the time Jets. by the time y'all <laughs> listen to this, this game's probably going to be over, anyways. But probably. But either way, it's good to have the record of it. <laughs> Kobe Myers, big game. Let's hope. Let's hope. Hope so. I, I, the Jets just need some help, man. <laughs> It's either this week or week 17. I, other than that, like, Gacy, come on, man. You're killing me. I'm not a Jets fan, but, I mean, it's got to be rough being a Jets fan right now. It's almost as bad as being a Bears fan. I can get it. It's worse. 
Yeah, it's exactly. They've been. Well, I don't know. They gave up quite a bit for Trubisky. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty bad. <laughs> I think one of our, I think it was our, one of my buddies, or actually it's one of our co-people we know, CJ, wrote on his Facebook, is it too late to tank for Lawrence? Yes. You already have five wins. <laughs> they're they're, uh, they're going to have to trade up. They're going to have to give another small fortune for him, unfortunately. You're going to have to trade all their draft picks and Trubisky. I was just going to say, I figure out, I, actually they'll probably have to give out another like second or third rounder if they're going to throw on Trubisky. Maybe they'll make a Ricky Williams trade. <laughs> you know that one, right? But yeah, it was five first round picks if they make the team with zero intention on them on him on them making the team. Well, the one year they traded literally every single draft pick they had for him. Yep. Yeah, there's some interesting trades back in the day that you would never even see in the NFL today, especially like with Green Bay in correlation. Like a lot of teams like them, you know, like to develop in the draft. So yeah. I feel like people value draft picks a lot more because of the abuse that happened in in previous seasons. I feel like that draft picks are more valuable, but I don't feel like the high-end draft picks people value as highly as they used to, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It's kind of like how – like, remember when I was telling you all the time, like in our draft or our dynasty that we did, mm-hmm. I didn't like to get any of the wide receivers that were over 30 because it was cheaper to get a younger guy in the draft that would be just as efficient. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same conversation. I feel like with the draft picks, they're starting to realize that there are younger players that will be potentially have a higher end that would be a lot cheaper. So it's easier to balance the books with a small minor cut to it. Unfortunately, I think that's kind of like a lot of teams have banked on it too much, like Green yeah. Bay, for example, like where they don't go into free agency at all. But mm-hmm. And you see it more with like re- rebuilding teams now too, more so kind of like how baseball became for a while where everybody yeah. valued prospects so heavily and they'd take all – so like when the Astros were real bad, they were flipping all their guys for prospects. And now in the NFL you kind of see it. The Dolphins did it last year with like Tunsil and Kiko Alonso and guys like that. And now this year the Jets did it when they traded Jamal Adams for two first-round picks. And Cleveland did a really good job of that when, when he was down there. He Jackman, this is obviously after their season where they went undefeated uh, – sorry, uh, unwin. They didn't make a single win, sorry. 0-16, and they just started trading off anyone with value for multiple draft picks. Mm-hmm. And I think that approach kind of was the one of the main, main reasons that Joe Thomas went to, into retirement when he did. I know a lot of teams would have easily given a first-round pick, even with him going into retirement. But he obviously wanted to end in Cleveland there. So but you're right. A lot of teams are valuing those draft picks a lot higher. I mean, the 49ers got to where they're at defensively. Because of a lot of the trades they were making, you know, obviously trading back into the draft and trading those higher picks for more picks. Yeah. And I think just overall, teams are either one way or the other. They're like, they don't value draft picks at all, or they highly value them. Like, say, the Seahawks, for example, they don't really give a crap about their draft picks. That's why they traded two first-round draft picks for Jamal Adams. And they, But then they always, they, they always trade out of the first round anyways. They always trade back. Yep. They always trade back to get, like, a mid-round. But, like, there's been draft picks where mid-rounds have a lot of value, like with the running back position with Kamara and um, CMC and Aaron Jones, like Jamal Williams for Green Bay as well. Like, with a third round, fourth round is where, like, where all the the good players were at, if that makes sense, where the higher value was at. So, like with with Seattle, they always trade back and take one of those mid-rounds, like second, third, or fourth rounders, you know. Well, Seattle historically has been awful at drafting in the first round anyway, so they're like, well, maybe if we trade back, we can't screw it up. 
Honestly, I wish Green Bay kind of did that too. I'd, I'd rather have two second round picks than a first rounder, to be honest with you. Yeah. They are so hit and miss with their first rounders. Jair was obviously one of the good ones they have, and obviously Aaron Rodgers, but he's a, you know, he's Aaron Rodgers. So, mm-hmm. be relevancy. Patriots did that for a long time too. They traded back draft picks for forever. Yep. Belichick was really good about it, though. He was always, if you could do your job, so I always found really good at getting decent value. Like, and being able to benefit off of taking deep value. Yeah, well, what he's better at is taking somebody that was supposed to be really good, that failed somewhere else, get, bringing them in for, like, like you get a second-round pick from somebody else that never didn't pan out for three years, then he's like, oh, I'll give you a six-round pick for that guy, and then he comes in and makes him awesome. Yep, and but he, Belichick is really good about teaching the fundamentals of the game, and so, like, if you remove distractions, you usually do pretty well there. And he is really good at that. I agree with you, hundred percent. Sets them up to succeed and just makes them do their job. Yeah, and people know, like, if they go there, if they do well when they leave there, they're going to make a lot of money too. Like example, like Kyle Van Noy, he didn't do anything with the Lions. Then they trade like a fifth round pick, I think it was for him, and he goes to yep. the Patriots and they work with him for like two years. Then all of a sudden, he gets pretty good. Now he goes to the Dolphins, making ten million dollars a year. Yep. And honestly, like, even if you're not looking to go to another team after that, it's a decent place to retire because you know you're going to be playing some football. You're always going to be having a winner, winning record. Or this was obviously when Tom Brady was there. And, or you were leaving with a championship, which was obviously the goal of playing this game in the first place. So New England's just had that prestige to, those, prestige to them for, you know, two decades now. So I'm kind of excited to see if uh, Belichick's looking to get a quarterback in the draft this next year, but it's going to be interesting. Yep. Well, that's pretty much all we got for uh, the week nine recap. We did a little bit of rambling on about draft picks and stuff there at the end, but we're pretty good at that stuff, though. We do, we do that from time to time. <laughs> but thank you guys for joining us once again. This was the Two Point Podcast with Nate and Craig. Hopefully, you guys all enjoyed, and tune in for us next time as well. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. <laughs>